Maybe you've heard of me. Yeah, we are getting down to the nitty-gritty. Uh, Miles, we of course, we have heard of you. I am David Schiff. I'm your co-host on the One of It podcast. As always, Miles and I come together every week. Uh, we make $1,000 worth of bets, primarily on the NFL. And in this podcast, we're going to look back at last week's bets, tally up the winner, and then we are going to look forward to week 16. Now, Miles, normally right here is when you kind of go off on a little rant. And uh, this week, I wanted to jump in here because there were a couple of things that I wanted to say. I want to hear what you have to say. Well, you're going to hear what I have to say. And basically, it's this. So every week, we start our podcast and we say, oh, man, there were some crazy games last week. Now, in a sea of weeks where there are crazy games, Last week was the Pacific Ocean of crazy games. I mean, come on. We could spend this entire podcast and another hour just talking about the Colts-Vikings game. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Not to mention the ending of the Raiders-Patriots game or the Giants-Commanders game where people are invoking conspiracy theories. The Jacksonville-Dallas game had a crazy overtime interception. Bengals-Tampa Bay was a tale of two halves. It was just bonkers no matter where you looked. And, and I'm, I'm bringing all of this up to say that this, this is why we love the NFL. This is why we love this podcast, why we love what we're doing. But that's not really what I want to talk about. This is how crazy what I do want to talk about is. And that is we have reached the end of an era here on the Wanna Bet podcast. And that is... Your 11 straight winning week streak did finally come to an end. And I am bringing it up because I think I want to highlight this in a way that you probably won't give yourself props for. I want to take a second and just talk about what you were able to accomplish in those 11 weeks. I don't know that people really understand how incredible it is what you did over the last three months. 11 weeks, you went 24-10-1, which is a winning percentage around 70%. You had three perfect weeks, and you turned $11,000 into $15,325. That's a return of almost 40%. You developed your strategy. You stuck to it. It paid off. And for that, my friend, I tip my hat to what you were able to do. That was so nice, man. I had no idea you were going to even talk about that. And it's humbling to hear it come out of your mouth. I mean, thank you. That uh, was really the Christmas gift, if you will, the, the, the present of the season. I mean it from the cockles of my heart. It was really something uh, to behold, you know, even getting pushed to the side uh, every week. I didn't even mind it, but... Uh... Yeah, it is the end of an era. It was an incredible streak. Uh, and now we're uh, we're going to turn our attention and start a new one, right? Well, it is the holiday season, and it's time to get reflective, be thankful that our kids are home from school, we get to spend time with our extended family, and now what? Now we get NFL games on Saturday. And tell me, David, do you want to know what's better than NFL games on Saturday? How about this? NFL games on Christmas Day, huh? 
Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night! I love it. I cannot wait. Not only will us Jews no longer be relegated to the movie theaters and the, and the Chinese food restaurants, no, no, this year we have options. I am so excited we get to watch NFL football. It's like a whole new world. It is. What do you Now, what do you want for, from Santa on Christmas Day football this year? Well, I want one of my teams to come in because I bet a Sunday game, so hopefully that'll happen. But And, and you know, here's the thing. If... If Adam Silver was the NFL commissioner, I'll bet we'd have NFL games on Christmas every year like they do NBA basketball. But this, I don't remember the last time there was NFL on Christmas. No, it's rare. It's rare that they match up and it's going to be a very, very exciting weekend. Yeah, I haven't been this excited, I think, since the Y2K uh, projected shutdown that never happened. Well, before we get, though, to next week and Christmas and all of those games, let's remind our loyal, incredible one of listeners how we did last week. So why don't you jump in and uh, recap the week of Miles V? Yeah, I'm going to recap. And the truth is, I feel like I haven't had to recap first in a while. So this this definitely is a reminder that I did not make money this week. And for those of you that have been tailing my bets, I apologize this week. It did not go as I wanted to. My first bet was Minnesota Vikings minus three and a half against the Colts. And I think you said we could probably do a whole show on that game. Uh, look, there's a lot of ways you could spin that game, okay? You'd have the optimist who would say this was the largest comeback in NFL history and a great win by the Vikings. You'd have the pessimist. They'd say, how do you go down 33 points to the Colts in the first half? These Vikings are a fraud, and they have no chance at making a deep run into the playoffs. And, of course, you have the conspiracy theory guys who would say these refs must have been on the take because they blew two huge calls that resulted in erasing points scored by the Vikings. And when I say conspiracy theory guys, I mean those of us that bet the Vikings at minus three and a half. Let's be honest. Look, everyone I know bet on the Vikings except Colin Cowherd. A credit to him for getting that one right. I was pretty much ready to turn off the game at halftime because the Vikings were that atrocious. There was a blocked punt running for a touchdown. There was a pick six for another touchdown. I mean, this time it wasn't even the Vikings defense that was hemorrhaging points. It was Kirk Cousins and special teams. Just brutal. I pretty much at that point decided the game was a loss. But somehow, Minnesota made their halftime adjustments and remained in the game. They scored one touchdown at a time and got the Colts to go three and out and actually made this into a game. In the second half, I think every Minnesota skill position player made contributions. K.J. Osborne even had a huge game. And I never thought I had a chance with this bet, and then all of a sudden, I'm yelling at the refs because they're affecting the score of the game. I mean, it was virtually a miracle that this game got to overtime, and even then I thought I had a chance to win. You did. Well... Yeah, the Vikings, they really didn't deserve the cover in my book. And I'm not the kind of guy that likes to blame the refs, but there were two blown calls that literally cost the Vikings 14 points. And I realized that scoring those points, you know, would have changed the flow of the game. But so what? I mean, there was a, a 
a run back for a touch, two fumble recovery run backs for a touchdown. One of them, the ref said, you know, forward movement was stalled. How many games have you seen this year where the the ball carrier has the ball for like seven seconds? He's being pushed by the back, and they they don't blow the call dead. They called this play dead in like point seven seconds. It's all a conspiracy theory, man. <laughs> came from it came from the very top. <laughs> the truth is, Viking fans, they're not going to really care because the Vikings won. Yeah. Colt fans, they're not going to care because they're going to be too busy looking for a new coach. But all the betters cared. Yeah, all the betters that didn't cover care about this kind of shit. I was a half a point away from being a hero and winning another consecutive week of cashing. But isn't that life? Anyway, you can still get those t-shirts that I made that say the Vikings roll on Saturday because they did. I'll even give them to you at a deep discount. We're talking half off or maybe half a point off. I don't even know if you can call this game a roller coaster because the Vikings were just so out of it in the first half. It was just like they just dug themselves a well and just started chipping back and chipping back. At what point did you actually start to pay attention to this game from a, hey, I really might get back in this game and have a chance with my bet perspective? It was the Vikings defense holding and the Vikings just continually being able to claw back and get more points on the board. I, I, I thought, boy, this would really be a long shot if this was made into a game. And it was. And the announcers were going crazy, too. This really was one of those games that took everyone by surprise. It's amazing to me how many of these games, and there were a couple other this weekend, are like the teams go in at halftime and put on different jerseys and come out. And it's like completely different teams playing a completely different game. And you see it over and over and over again. And unfortunately for you, you had to ride the roller coaster to the, to the end. You didn't pay off on the bet. Sorry to say. Yeah. And that might also be a thing where three and a half, you know, is, is the, is the factor. Maybe I should have bought it down to three for the push. I know one of our listeners actually bought it down to two and a half and got a win on the game. So go figure. So that actually put me in a pretty sour mood. That was the first game of the day on Saturday. And after watching that kind of a a game, it, it, it just tainted the weekend a little bit. But uh, my next game, I'm actually very proud of my next game. This was the Cincinnati-Tampa Bay game, and I took the over 44. And as you know, I really wanted to bet on the Bengals, but I didn't want to upset the Cosmic Universe because they were a road favorite. And betting against the home underdogs is, you know, against all of the lessons, at least, you know, up until uh, this week. So instead of betting the, the road favorite, I pivoted, and I bet the over on the game, thinking that the Bengals would win, but they would put up a lot of points, and the Tampa Bay would actually show up to play. And it was a brilliant move. The Bengals scored 34 of the 44 points that I needed, so I only needed 10 out of the box. And the Bucks really made it a game. They scored 23. So ultimately, 57 points were scored. I didn't break my uh, my my lesson 1A, and I was really happy. But the game actually was a lot closer. I was, I was somewhat fortunate that it broke the 44 because the Bengals started out really slow, and they've been doing that this year, I noticed. They're just not getting started early. And it was 3-0 at the end of one quarter, so not – very good projecting to hit your 44 points. And then Tampa scored another touchdown in the second quarter. I was actually happy they did because I'd rather have Cincinnati try to come back from a deficit than to have Tampa Bay come back from a deficit. So 
it was 17-3 at the half, and while I was tracking a little low, I kind of thought they scored enough that I think Cincinnati is going to get going. But I did not expect the second half to be what it was. And it wasn't even Cincinnati's offense that did it. It was their defense. Uh, Tampa Bay, they turned the ball over in their own territory five times. Uh, one was a fake punt that they tried that got muffed, so that was a turnover on downs. There was an interception, a fumble, another fumble, and all of these leaded to Cincinnati points. So when the Bengals scored 31 unanswered points because of these turnovers, I got the best of all worlds. Uh, the Bengals won, I won my bet, and I didn't violate my lesson. However, this was the only one of my games that came in. So I was 330 to win 300, 630 went to my bank, and that was the end of my 11 straight weeks. But I will say this, I may now look at road favorite again now that I lost this week and the streak is over. We'll have to see. little foreshadowing, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't like this bet when you made it, to be totally honest with you. Anytime you say the words Tampa Bay in and over, they're just not a point scoring team. And I was concerned for you, thought you were going to lose this bet, particularly after the first half, uh, a little bit of traction kind of towards the end of that first half. But I actually thought, and I'd said, won't you be upset if the Bengals cover, uh, but the over doesn't hit. And I thought that might happen for a while, but I was happy for you that the second half turned around. Uh, and then they really, you know, you start to see the potential of Cincinnati. Once their offense gets going, they put points on the board quickly. So I was happy it did come in for you in the end. Me too, because otherwise I would have been 0-3 because my last bet, I took Carolina minus 2.5 over Pittsburgh. And all I could say here is that I misjudged this game, and I got caught up in what I thought was a trend in Sam Darnold and a two-game win streak. I kind of thought everything was falling into place once Pickett got ruled out and they announced Trubisky as the starter. And then I saw the first few minutes of the game, and then I, n I never thought I had a chance in this one. Carolina, they traditionally have been relying a good bit on the running game, and they had 16 carries for 21 yards on Sunday. They had no, no rushing offense whatsoever. And here's the thing, Carolina was in a position to control their own playoff destiny with a win against Pittsburgh because Tampa Bay lost and they would have just been situated at the top of the, of the NFC South. But they allowed touchdowns on the very first two drives by the Steelers and Pittsburgh just ran the ball up and down the field. Uh, the Steelers got 13 first downs by way of rushing compared to Carolina's zero. And Carolina, they don't really have a passing attack to make up such a comeback. So Panthers were basically down the entire game, never got close. The best they did was make it a one-score game in the second half by being down eight points. But when you're a two-and-a-half-point favorite, it's not going to cut it. So at this point in the season, I think I need to look at quality teams. And the Panthers, I don't think they're a quality team. Uh, they were a fluke my opinion of the NFC South and really, I don't know if anyone in the NFC South can be trusted. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to really look at uh, betting that division. Yeah. I was concerned at first thinking that Pickett might be the quarterback for the Steelers, but it ended up being Trubisky and he was actually fine. Uh, one of the better games that he had, he's had. So yeah, tough defense just wasn't your night for Carolina. You might have uh, read a little bit too much into them. 
uh, and a tough week for you, sorry to say. It is, but that is still 12 out of the 15 weeks where I'm cash positive, and over the year, I'm close to being up uh, about $2,500. So I'm happy with uh, the overall history here uh, and looking forward to turning it around and starting a new streak this week. Yeah, as well you should be. Um, so I have never had a perfect week on the One to Bet podcast, and I still have not had a perfect week, but I came pretty darn close. I had one of my better weeks, and I did take uh, the week uh, over miles. Finally, first time in a while to get in the win column. Somebody stop me! Uh, and I enjoyed a delicious reward, I must say. We went to the Shake Shack. That was a little bit of an impromptu trip. But uh, what a what a week to win because that was a fantastic uh, fantastic burger, one of my favorites. A little pivot there because we had announced Umami Burger as being up for grabs, and as we were ready to drive there, realized that they are temporarily closed for whatever reason. So yeah, had to make a pivot. Glad we decided on Shake Shack, and. You are more than deserving this week. All right. Well, it was a wonderful uh, meal. Thank you. And let's get into my week. So the first game that I'm going to talk about is I had the under in the Cleveland-Baltimore game. I had 330 to win 300. And I said this game was going to be cold and ugly and, uh, you know, in the palms of two bad offenses. And that's exactly right. And it was cold. It was hard to watch. And I loved every single second of it. I mean, you really can't write a better script for an under game. There were drives that ended on downs. There were fumbles, missed field goals. And in the game, I actually thought the Ravens offense would find a way to put points on the board and their defense would strangle the Browns. But it turned out to be the other way around. Deshaun Watson wasn't special. He wasn't great. But he was good enough to lead his team to victory in his first home game back since the suspension Ravens, one bright spot, J.K. Dobbins. Everything else was a disaster. Tyler Huntley had only 138 yards passing. Mark Andrews was MIA. I never had to sweat this one one bit. Three field goals in the first half, one touchdown in the second. That was it. It was snowing by the fourth quarter, and I was counting my money. Show me the money! Yeah, good game for you. That was a game where I actually thought Cleveland would win. I think I mentioned it last podcast. It's the it's the big revenge game, revenge game where Art Modell moves the uh, the Browns and starts the Ravens, and the and the crowd just can't. St- this is just a big, you know, game in which the fans get bloodthirsty. And I really thought that the Browns would win, but. I didn't want to discount the Ravens, so I laid off, and I think your analysis of going with the under was a smart one, and it's funny because this week, uh, the Browns game, it's, it has a 31.5, 32.5 over-under, which looks very tempting, and I don't even know what to do about it, so I'm, I'm laying off. Yeah, I'm not on them this week, but I felt pretty good about you know Browns-Ravens last week. So that was bet number one, and bet number two... Uh, was Jacksonville plus four at home over Dallas. I bet 270 to win 245. And I believe I said something about possibly wanting to bet this game on the money line uh, because I just had a feeling that something isn't right, wasn't right with the Cowboys. Uh, I wish I'd listened to my gut. I didn't, uh, but I took them with the spread and that came in. And we're seeing a couple things here. Trevor Lawrence is blossoming right before our eyes. And if you don't put pressure on him, he will carve you up. 
And that's what happened. I said the Cowboys had to get to him, and they didn't. They only managed one sack, and Lawrence threw for 318 yards and four touchdowns. And on the other side of the ball, Dak Prescott was sacked three times and threw two interceptions, including the devastating pick six in overtime that ended the game. I mean, the Cowboys did clinch a spot in the playoffs this week, but I don't really see them going very far. I mean, what was the strength of their team? Their defensive line is hurt or tired or something, and the rest of their pieces just aren't strong enough to carry them. I mean, at this point in the season, you want to see your marquee players out leading the team. Three of the four Cowboys touchdowns this week were scored by Noah Brown and Peyton Hendershot. Not exactly big names. Jacksonville comes through with a win. And I wish that had been my bigger bet instead of my smaller bet. I thought that was a great call by you because I've had the Dallas Cowboys wrong most of the year. And this would have been one included. And but for lesson one, stop betting against the home underdogs. And lesson one A, trust the theory and start betting on the home underdogs, which you followed. I would have been all over the Cowboys. So I stayed away from the game and kind of watched you as the test dummy, if you will. And the theory worked. You did great. You bet on the dog. They came through. I shouldn't be surprised. So hats off, buddy. That was a 1A and almost a 1B uh, coming through uh, with a money line bet if I'd had the courage to do it. All right, so now I'm 2-0. I'm looking for my first perfect week. I'm coming into my last game, which is the Chargers minus three at home against the Titans. I had bet 400 to win 400. It was even money there. And I'm nervous. I'm sweating the hell out of this game. And it completely did not unfold at all like I predicted. Tannehill got hurt early on. He came back for the Titans, but he wasn't at full strength. Austin Eckler gets hurt for the Chargers. He comes back, but he's not at full strength. So both of the offense are kind of sluggish. It's sort of a ragged offensive game. Herbert never really gets untracked. Mike Williams doesn't stretch the field like I hoped. There are 14 punts. It was just really ugly. But of course, I'm sweating in every you know inch of this game. And at the end, the Chargers are up 17-10 with three minutes to go. I'm winning my bet. I am going to sweep the week finally. But of course, the Titans go down and they score with three minutes left to play. And here's where things get really interesting for me. It is now 17-16. The Titans have to decide if they're going to tie the game with an extra point or go for two to win it. And if the Titans go for two, I am screwed no matter what happens. I will lose either way if they make it or they miss it. And there's some funny history here because in 2018 in London, in a game between the Titans and the Chargers, it came down to the exact same scenario. Vrabel went for two, missed, and the Titans lost the game. So back in LA, I'm thinking, does he go for revenge and, you know, want to get that two-point conversion this time? Or does he play it safe and kick the PAT? And he kicks the PAT. I'm still in it. I still have a chance. Now, the Chargers get the ball back with 48 seconds. They go down and they kick the game-winning field goal. I think I'm happy about that. I tie. I get my 400 back. Maybe if it goes to overtime, I could win this thing outright. I don't know. But it was just such a 20-minute heart attack at the end. Uh, as that whole uh, last touchdown outplayed, I just I, I, I just needed to take a breath, take my money, uh, and take my $1,545, because that's what I turned my $1,000 into this week. 
Yeah, that was a good week for you and had to be a difficult game to watch in light of the fact that you are a Chargers homer. And so it wasn't just I am a savvy sports better. I take offense to that. Uh, You were probably (laughs) excited that they won the game, even if they won by three because you wanted them to win the game. But I will say that was a pretty impressive 48-second drive to get their field goal. I mean, the throw that Herbert put on that was unmatched. So at least you know that they're capable in a two-minute drill of, you know, marching up and down the field. Not all teams can do that. No question. I mean, he has some special abilities. I've been on and off with the Chargers this year. This time I was on. Wasn't quite the victory I hoped for, but I'll take it. And it was a good week. So that was week 15. Let's look at our listeners and see how they did before you move into this week. Of course. Let's let's go through our hundreds and thousands of listeners. How did our listeners do this week? Well, to be fair, week 15 was somewhat of a forgotten week for our listeners. And maybe it was because Saturday games threw them off. Maybe the fact that we recorded our podcast later in the week threw them off. I, I did have two people text me saying, when are we releasing? When are we releasing? Whatever it was, we only had two listeners this time bet with us last week. We had Donnie Wheels. Uh, he bet Minnesota, which, as we know, did not come in. He, along with me, were lamenting on that one. But he bet on Cincinnati, which did come in. And so he ended up uh, a slight bit of a loser coming in with $859. RJ had another perfect week in a row, going three for three. He also took the Bengals, but took the Giants and the Raiders. How about that? How about that Raider game, RJ? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole show on that. I'm sure you weren't sweating much in that one. Uh, But Bill Kuklanis, Dave Siegel, they ghosted us this week. It it felt like prom night all over again, except on prom night, I didn't really get ghosted. I walked in on my prom date with another dude. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. Wait, does that mean you brought another dude in to see? How do, how do I interpret that? I walked in and my prom date was getting down with some other guy. Oh, yeah, you got it. Yeah, true story. I'm not proud. And my high school friends never let me forget it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I won't either. Please don't forget, listeners, you too can make your picks with us each week by going to at Bet Podcast on Twitter. Yes. Join us on the What A Bet podcast on Twitter. So let's turn our attention to week 16. Just as a reminder, Miles and I now put a thousand more dollars into our virtual bank accounts, and we have to bet that thousand on at least three bets. Each bet has to be a minimum of $100. And here's a little bit of an oddity. Miles, you and I, I believe, are on the same bet coming out of the blocks. And I will sort of jump in here. We both like the 49ers minus seven over the Commanders. Now, it's my big bet of the week uh, at 440 to win 400. And here's what I'm seeing. As we have discussed, the 49ers are a team that they do not need a Hall of Fame quarterback the way they're built. They need a solid game manager. You can plug in Trey Lance, Jimmy G., Mr. Irrelevant, Mrs. Irrelevant, it does not matter who is playing quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers as long as they avoid turnovers and hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. Now, am I worried about the seven points? 
I am not. Because one of the things that makes these 49ers special is their ability to separate from their opponent. That is a rare skill in today's NFL. This team has only been involved in two one-score games all year. And in their 10 wins, their average margin of victory, average margin of victory is 15 and a half points. The closest any losing team has come to them is the Chargers at six points. And the Chargers are better than the Commanders, who, by the way, are coming off a rough loss against the Giants we just talked about last Sunday. I mean, Curtis Samuel got mugged in the end zone. It wasn't called. Terry McLaurin asked the ref for help, and it was called anyway. I mean, is there a deep, dark conspiracy against this team, you know, to get back at Daniel Snyder? I don't know. But if there is, I'm definitely betting against them. Ron Rivera sticking with Taylor Heineke for now. There is a reason Taylor Heineke is a career backup. He is not going to move the needle. I predict the 49ers beat up on Washington and cover the the seven points. Yeah, let me add a little bit to your analysis because I obviously agree with you, and I too am on the 49ers with $250 to win $227. I think the football gods are mad at the commanders. Praise be and may the Lord open. You had Terry McLaurin flagged on the play for a formation violation two seconds after he asked the ref that he was lined up correctly and got a thumbs up. I think there's this conspiracy theory against Dan Snyder, which is being discussed and says the NFL does not want him to succeed. And that Curtis Samuel play, that last play of last week's game, there was more horseplay occurring on wide receivers than Jerry Sandusky had with the entire Penn State team. That's the fact, Jack! And that was a lot of horseplay, let me tell you. (laughs) Yes. Uh, looking at San Francisco, you, you didn't point out they've had some extra rest. They were on the Thursday night game last week, which is great. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have the best defense in the league, which is even better. You got Brock Purdy quietly becoming a San Francisco fan favorite. You got San Francisco with the best defense in the league, which is better. Look, seven points may be a lot to ask for, but with the commanders on the outs and the 49ers on top of the NFC West, I'm betting on the Niners with you. Yeah, I think we're both seeing the same thing, that uh, tough road trip coming out to San Francisco. San Francisco is really uh, on the upswing. Washington's a little bit lost right now, and uh, the 49ers are going to take advantage of that. All right, so that is our uh, stance on the 49ers-Commanders game. My second game, Miles, there is a combination of a couple things going on this week. A lot of cold weather back east. A lot of bad matchups, bad offenses, and handicappers really believe there are going to be a lot of low-scoring games this weekend. When I last checked some of these over-under numbers, there's a lot of really low numbers. I saw Jaguars-Jets at 36, New Orleans-Cleveland at 32.5, the Texans-Titans at 36, Atlanta-Baltimore 37, Commanders-San Francisco 38, the Broncos-Rams at 36.5, and You know, no question, some of these games, they're going to be right. You know, there's going to be a lot of slogging through cold and bad weather, uh, a lot of field goal kicking, all that sort of stuff. But there is one game out there that I think they are missing the boat on, and that is the Bills-Bears. That under right now, actually yesterday, was 39.5. It's moved up a little bit. I saw it at 40. I saw it at 40.5. I will take the over at 39.5, and here's why. Both of these teams are cold weather teams. 
Playing in cold weather is not a surprise to Buffalo. It's not a surprise to the Bears. They prepare for it. They practice in it. Uh, they do it all the time. And the Bills are still averaging 27.5 points a game. Now, they're playing a Bears team that could be tanking to get a good draft pick. Yes, probably, definitely. This team has lost seven in a row. But listen to this. In those seven losses, in those seven losses, they averaged 21 points a game. And they gave the Eagles a scare last week in Cold Soldier Field, which is where this game is going to be. Both of these teams can score points, even if the Bears are trying to tank. Both of these teams will score points, and this game will hit the over. David, you said that the Bears might be tanking. And I will say this, the Bears should be tanking. They're already mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. I think they can get as high as maybe the second pick. It is a wonder to me why Justin Fields is still playing the quarterback position when he's risking injury to himself. And the fact that he is playing the quarterback position is allowing the Bears to be scoring these 21 points a game because he single-handedly is carrying that team on his shoulders. And I think last game, there might have been a late hit. He might have got hit out of bounds. I don't know what it was, but there was a moment where I thought, oh, no, he's now injured, but it turns out he wasn't. But that kind of play could totally affect the trajectory of this team. And... I, you know, I wish that they just say, let's uh, let's go with someone else. We'll we'll save Justin for when we can feel the team of actual, you know, quality players, which they're still short on. And I think they've got heavy on the draft pick side of things. But I think last week uh, their best receiver, who's Amon St. Brown's brother, got injured and they had no one else to throw to. So it was it was really a sad state of affairs. Yeah, it's a tough call because you want to protect your players and you don't want a late late season injury, certainly to really ruin somebody's, you know, next 12 to 18 months. But also when you have these young guys, you got to get them reps. You know, the more reps that Justin Fields has, the more he sees, the more he can read defenses, the better he's going to be in the long run. You just hope he doesn't get killed in the meanwhile. But as you pointed out, he's still out there. They're still scoring 21 points a game. And for a team that's tanking, they're doing a pretty good job of looking like they want to win because... Uh, you know, the Eagles had to really scramble yet last week. Yeah, and it, if he plays, I like your chances, but you saw what happened with the Eagles, right? Jalen Hurts got injured in that game too, and now he we don't know if he's going to be playing this week. So tough, tough to be rolling the dice with your franchise quarterback. Well, I'm not taking the over in the Eagles game. I'm taking the Bears game. So I'm hoping he plays, and I'm hoping they score some points. Well, let me tell you about my second pick, and that is Cincinnati minus two and a half against the Patriots. What? What? Wait, what? What? That's 420 to win 290. But but Cincinnati, are they? Wait, what? First of all, let's talk about the obvious thing here, David. The the bangle in the room? (laughs) Let's talk about the obvious thing. The bangle, the obvious thing is that the Bengals are favored by three. How am I getting them a two and a half? Well, here it is. I'm buying half a point, and I'm paying extra for it. That's not the obvious thing. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the obvious thing. How am I betting against a home underdog, and why am I not trusting the process? My advice to you, start drinking heavily. I just read your book. I did your your program. I went to the seminars. Now, I ha- do I have to throw all that away? 
What's going on? I don't know if I have to amend things. I don't know if I have a great answers. I don't know why I'm violating my own rule. Probably because I lost last week. But here's the thing. We're getting towards the end of the season where certain games matter and certain teams matter and they need to win in order to secure their playoff schedules. And here we're just looking at two very different teams. We have the Bengals. They're on a six-game win streak and looking as good, if not better, than the Super Bowl team of last year. Now we have the Patriots, who are a shadow of themselves, perhaps remembered this year for committing the worst play I've ever seen with that lateral debacle when it was a tie game. (laughs) I I was half surprised they didn't cut Jacoby Myers on the spot, and I'll tell you, a few years ago they would have. It's just they don't have anybody else to replace them on their team. Look, the Bengals, they're a locomotive that can't be stopped. They might start slow, but when they get to their top speed, they're as good as anyone. And yes, I can see this game possibly coming down to a field goal, as many of Belichick's games do. So I'm going to buy that half point in the hopes that the game is not decided by three. And last week, look, the Vikings game was decided by three, and that resulted in me losing. And the Chargers game was decided by three, and that resulted in you pushing. So let's do what we can to insure ourselves here and give us a holiday gift, 420 to win 290. It may not be a lot of money, but I'll take it. This is the bet you wanted to make last week. You love the Bengals, and you didn't have the courage to make this bet last week. Now the streak is over. You're you're finally leaning into the bet you want to make, which is you're high on the Bengals. It's a few points. They're on the road. You want to take them. Of course, we are going to have a lot to talk about if the Bengals don't cover and, you know, <laughs> the Patriots do. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm giving them a better chance to cover, moving it to two and a half. But yes, if this one doesn't come in, then I probably, for the rest of this year, will go back and abide by my (laughs) lessons and never violate them. The rest of the year. Well, I will be watching this game with bated breath, uh, as will you, I'm sure. Good luck to you on that. We'll see how it goes. Um, So my last bet, um, I am back on a team that has just killed me this year, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Plus 10 over Kansas City on the road. I'm betting 230 to win 209. Um, I have a checkered history with the Seahawks this year. And by checkered, I mean, they've screwed me every single time. Uh, they screwed me against the Panthers. They screwed me against the Raiders. They screwed me against the Lions. Why am I on them again? It's 10 points. I just think it's too much to give them. Geno Smith, who is now a pro bowl quarterback. Uh, he's got big time weapons around him. They haven't been playing great. But the flip side of this bet is the Chiefs are starting to get a reputation that they really don't want. And that's a team that plays down to their opponents and doesn't cover when they should. Two weeks ago, they failed to cover nine points against the Broncos. They jumped out to a 27-0 lead, and then they held on to win by six. Last weekend, they were 14.5-point favorites in Houston, and it took overtime to escape with a victory. Chiefs are winning, but kind of like the Cowboys, there's just something a little off with this team on the the defensive side of the ball in particular. I'm going to jump on that trend. I think it's just too many points. I'll take the Seahawks on the road to cover. There is a saying that if something looks too good to be true, it probably is. And when I saw that the Seahawks were getting 10 points, I said, this looks too damn good to be true. 
And I thought about jumping on it, but there has to be a reason here that is the reason why the odds makers are right all the time. You're right. The Seattle's too good of a team to be getting 10 points, but they're on a losing streak and they're just not looking as good as they were earlier in the season. I don't know what it is. It, it looks appetizing, but maybe there's just something behind the scenes that I don't know about. And I decided to lay off. I'm glad you're taking a chance with them. I think you watched me take the big underdogs with the points and had some success. Hopefully you will too. Well, whatever the thing is that's too good to be true, I will tell you what it is next week because I'm going to find out, I guess. I looked for you know crazy injuries, things like that. Didn't really see anything uh, that jumped out at me. Uh, so I'm jumping into the deep end on this one. We'll see how it goes. Okay, well, that brings me to my last bet, which is Miami Dolphins minus four over the Green Bay Packers, and that's for 330 to win 300. In the beginning of the year, it was clear to our listeners that I don't like Green Bay. And guess what? Nothing has changed. Green Bay is a fraud, and they need to be exposed. I even think they might be more of a fraud than Minnesota and the New York Giants, who are frauds in their own right. Last week, the Packers really took it to the Rams. Fine. But don't give them too much credit. It was the Rams, a team with no skill players and a team that's mathematically eliminated. And speaking of which, they say the Packers may have to run the table to get into the playoffs this year, and that ain't happening. The Packers are not deserving of a playoff spot. It's the same old story with Aaron Rodgers. They just need to cut him loose and move on. Contrast that dumpster fire with the Miami Dolphins a team that plays close games against the Bills and the Chargers and handles their business against the bottom feeders of the league. Yes, the Dolphins might be on a mini-losing streak, but I think this is a great spot for them to break out. They're home in their favored warm-weather climate, and they need to win. They're skilled players. They all look healthy. I think this is where the torch has passed from the has-been Rodgers to the future of the NFL and Tua. They're going to need to recreate some of that magic that they showed early in the part of the season where they took it to the Patriots, the Ravens, and the Bills. I lost when I bet Miami against the 49ers. I'm hoping they won't do me wrong this week and that this is the week they come back and win. Do you think the Dolphins are a little overexposed and maybe aren't as good as people give them credit for? Is this three-game losing streak real? Or is the earlier Dolphins that we saw dominating at the beginning of the year, is that the real team? It's a fair question. Uh, I They really had an exciting game against the Bills last week, and, and they, they ended up on the wrong side of it. But it was a great, great game, and I think they had the lead late in the game. Um, I look at the Miami Dolphins and think that they have potential and they just need to get hot and hopefully – taking care of business, getting into the playoffs, they can be a team on a roll. I don't see that with the Green Bay Packers. Everything in the world has to break their way for things to go for them, and I just don't see it. For me, the key to the Miami success is Mostert and the running game. They have got to open things up to really allow Waddle and Hill to get loose. They have got to put up some yards to keep Green Bay honest. If they do that, they'll be in good shape. If they don't, they'll be in trouble. Well, let's hope the Dolphins uh, are able to snap out of it and put the Green Bay back to the couches so they can watch playoff football. 
So those are our bets, Miles. We've come to the end of yet another podcast. Uh, I'm on Seattle over Kansas City. We're both on San Francisco uh, minus seven over Washington. I've got the Buffalo Chicago over. Miles, what are the rest of your bets? Uh, besides the 49er game, I am taking the Dolphins and I'm taking the Bengals, two teams which I think are making it to the playoffs. So I'm picking conservatively this week and going with teams that I think are uh, real contenders and not the pretenders that I've mentioned. I love it. Uh, you and I are not on a bet this week because we're both traveling next week around the holidays. Uh, but we will be uh, doing the last couple of weeks, as always. Yeah, I might come. Uh, I might come to you live from Las Vegas next week. I think that's where we're headed. So I'll also be able to make these bets in a casino. So I'm happy about that. That'll be amazing. Live from Las Vegas is a whole new vibe to the podcast. I might even bring a special guest, and it won't be the prom date that cheated on me. I think you should do the podcast live from like a poker table, like as you're at a tournament somewhere, you know, calling your games. That would be really sort of cool and, uh, you know, Vegas. That's a violation of my rights, or <laughs> at least a violation of the poker rules. I don't know. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the WannaBet Podcast. As Miles said, you can check us out on Twitter at WannaBet Podcast. We hope you have an amazing week. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. All that good stuff. Love your body, Larry. All right. Peace out, everybody. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.